turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Every week I think I'm going to get right into the Word of God, and every week our country says, nope. <laughs> it's crazy. I, every week I'm like, man, I'm looking forward. I get to go straight in, and then something in our nation will blow up or on the world stage. And God said, no, you got to... Even if those of you that are on Facebook, I sent out my response. I, I, I labored all day over it. Lord, what do you want me to I didn't want to, I didn't have the time, but I had to make the time. Lord said, you've got to speak about this, and some of you shared it. Uh, but, uh, you know, some things are big enough that uh, if you're going to stand for God and you're going to be a pastor, you're going to have to speak for the Lord in difficult times. And so um, check that out. I think the Lord... It's, again, it's his heart. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Glad to have you joining us on Pentecost Sunday. We'll talk about, the, what, about what that means in just a few minutes. But Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1, if you have your Bibles with you. Starting verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord. Isn't that great? Oh, that we can get there. In one place, and suddenly there came... A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Drop down to verse 14, Peter standing up. But Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, so the last days started right, right here at the birth of the church, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams." Verse 18, he said, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Drop down to verse 22, again, just for the sake of time. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Again, what people know is not necessarily what they accept. People know the truth. They resist the truth. Because listen to what Peter said. Peter steps on some toes here, and I'm going to forewarn you, God will step on your toes today. Listen to what he says. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put him to death. Peter says, you killed him. Now, Peter isn't saying that he wasn't part of that. He's simply saying, I've been forgiven now, but some of you are still going to be guilty if you stand before God on Judgment Day of crucifying the Son of God and not ever receiving the forgiveness of God. So he says, you crucified him and put him to death, but whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Move forward. Peter still speaking. All the way down to verse... 38, then Peter said to them, he finishes his message, repent. Same words John the Baptist said when John the Baptist arrived on the scene, what was it? Repent. Jesus arrived on the scene, what did he say? Repent. Peter stands up first, birth of the church, he says, repent. Do you know that Jesus, John the Baptist, and Peter would say the same thing to us today 
in America and in the church. Repent, repent, repent. The message of Pentecost is a message of repentance. It's that people said, Lord, you're right, we're wrong. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, and that great for you to know, parents and grandparents, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. God has to call us by name, doesn't he? Verse 40 goes on. Now, this is the work after all of this. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Nothing's changed. We still live in a perverse generation. Was then, is now. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Man, I'm praying that God adds some souls today in America. 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued, this should be us, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. They had all things in common, sold their possessions, their good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Powerful, isn't it? What God did in a single day and what took place, what took root. If God does it, it takes root and it bears fruit, doesn't it? The root proves the fruit. When God takes fruit, there's going to be fruit. Let's pray. Father, we bow again before you. Let us hear what you did through your servant Peter when you fell upon the church, Lord. And Lord, may we experience this morning with humble hearts a refreshing of the Spirit. We need it. Lord, we repent of our own things. We can't even see some of our flaws and sins. But Lord, we repent and we ask that you would wash us, cleanse us, But, Lord, we would be refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the peace that comes with the Spirit, the joy. And, Lord, that perseverance that we need in a perverse day in which we live. And, Lord, we pray that you would call out of darkness those that are deceived by Satan. Lord, those that are still racist and bigotry or anger and vitriol. Lord, they're deceived. They're on the broad road to destruction, Lord. But as Peter preached and, Lord, as I preached and other pastors around the world preach, you would open eyes and break chains. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Just a powerful passage, one that we should probably go read more often and be reminded of what God did and wants to do again. We see here uh, the saving of souls, but it's also the surrender to discipleship. Did you see that at the end? That everyone that got really saved became a disciple. They started walking the walk, talking the talk, loving one another, unified, together in the word. Every single believer has been called to die to themselves. You believe that? You've been called to die to yourself and be under the lordship of Christ, to be a light in this fallen world and to make disciples. It said they grew. The Lord was adding daily to the church. Why? Because disciples make disciples to live filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet for the majority of Christians, 
Church going is what defines their faith. That's sad. Church going is what defines many people's faith. And even that is rather sporadic, and this was the case well before the pandemic. Don't get me wrong. I'm really glad we're getting back together. I'm glad to see all of your faces. I'm glad to see some of you throughout the week that I've, that I've seen. And even in this partial and rotating manner, we're going to be doing. We're going we're to take these safe measures. We're going to rotate. I'd rather see a third of you than none of you. Amen? And you can see a third than none. That's better. And thank God that two or three gathered together. He's in our midst. Amen? So I, I, God's never even been about big numbers. Like I said, used to be pastors were trying to pack a church. Now we're trying to keep it spaced. But nevertheless, I'm glad we're getting back together um, because we understand that we want to kind of see what this virus is, is going to do. But we can't and we shouldn't be hoping for a return to normal. And I'm not talking about the world around us. I'm not talking about the world's normal. I'm talking about us. I'm speaking, no, uh, let me say the Spirit of God is speaking. The Spirit of God is speaking to us, the church. If you're taking notes this morning, you see the title of our time in the Word. Let's not return to normal. Let's return to Jesus. 1 John 5.19 tells us that um, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. You know that, right? You see that all around you. You see, the world is all about returning to normal. If at all possible, they'd like to return to normal in the sense of getting back to their version of what life was like back in, say, January or February. But the real heart of the world has never left its normal. The real heart of the world is as normal now as it ever was. Yes, a lot of places... And institutions have been shut down, but the world system is its same normal self. That's a perpetual condition. In smooth times, in rougher times, the condition of the world is always the same. If you watch the news this week or the last few weeks or been on social media, that's an adventure. Lying and dishonesty is still the norm in the media on all sides. They don't even know how to tell the truth anymore. Pride and self-focus, that hasn't gone anywhere. In fact, millions in the pandemic are snapping more selfies and more videos of themselves than I've ever seen. I don't need to see another TikTok of you in the house. <laughs> Snark and cynicism is an art form now, isn't it? our country's known for. And, it, and we've actually spread it to the rest of the world. When I look at Twitter from people from Southeast Asia to Africa, they've adopted the same cynicism and snarkiness that Americans have exported all over the world. Celebrities now walk us through their homes daily and tell us how to live and how to survive mentally, spiritually, physically. And since no Bible's needed in their life, they assume no one else needs a Bible. Just need now, this is what I'm doing for meditation. This is what I'm doing. Eat clean, healthy. And I'm staying on my estate. You stay on your place, you know. The hyperpolarization, it rages on with just a scintilla of anybody willing to work together. A scintilla of anybody willing to work together. It's all about power. 
It's about control. It's a lust. It's a pride. It's a greed. It's all around us. Instead of everyone loving one another, we've actually seen stomach-turning examples. Like I said, just this week, uh, the killing, cold-blooded killing, heart-wrenching of an innocent man and physically draining to some. I mean, you can imagine this man's mom. Other moms that are wondering, what if, what if my son gets into this situation? I understand that people are fearful. That, uh, all of these things, in the middle of this whole pandemic, did you know abuse hasn't stopped at all? Matter of fact, it's on the rise. Abuse is actually on the rise. I have statistics for all these. I don't have time to go into them. The ABC stores, they're still open, but they now have longer lines. More people need liquor to cope. The abortion clinics, they've stayed open. So these unborn lives still don't matter to half the country. Still don't matter. Online pornography, it hasn't been abandoned. It's on the rise. Did you know that? Around the world, pornography's up, way up. Some countries have seen huge increase from a steady rise. Twitter tirades, they haven't gone away. They're actually exploding. Lots of Twitter tirades. Shaming and blaming, it was bad enough before the pandemic. Now we have more shaming and more blaming. Everybody, this is everybody. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Your fault. God says it's all y'all's fault. <laughs> That's what he says. God looks for hell. He says, all y'all. Even our righteousness is filthy rag. There is none righteous, no, not one. Boy, the day when I hear one politician say, I am pathetic, it would be a miracle. They go ahead and speak for the rest of them, too. But I'm not just saying about them. I mean, this is, our, this is just the, the atmosphere. People are louder than ever. Instead of getting quiet before God, people are raging before the Lord. And all these things are visible here and all around the world. It's not just here. But the world's normal remains, and here's what the world's normal is. It's an outright resistance to God. That's normal. That's normal. You know Jesus when he said to the, he was speaking to the religious leaders, and he told them, he said, I know the love of God is not in you. It's not in the world. And it wouldn't be in us unless we get saved, unless we get radically transformed. Thankfully, because of God's common grace, things in this world aren't yet a complete meltdown. They're partial meltdowns, but it could be, would you agree with me, it could be a hundred times worse. Of course it could. And if you read the book of Revelation, it will become like that. It, it, would be, it will become so catastrophic, you can't even believe anyone could live. It's only God's grace that it even happens. And there's even some outstanding, even heroic work I appreciate what the frontline workers are doing and people helping one another and, you know, firemen, like I said, battling fires in the middle of the night, coming to, you know, picking people up if they're having attacks with the coronavirus, whatever it is. Uh, but none of these worthy endeavors actually change hearts and none of them change the trajectory of the world. Does that make sense? People have, I mean, there's always been Florence Nightingales, there's always been doctors, and there's always been Louis Pastors, and there's always been people that are doing good things, but it's never changed the trajectory of the world. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit does that. Amen? There's nothing. thing. Everything else has a flash in the pan of some goodness, and we're appreciative of it. I'm appreciative of the awesome 
cheeseburger I had the other night, but it's not doing me any good today. I can't live off that experience. But back to the church. We're in the world, but we're not to be what? Of the world. So how is the church? How are we personally? Again, when I, when I ask that question, I always look in the mirror, and you have to look in the mirror. How is the church? How are we personally? How are we as CCR? How are we collectively? How is the body of Christ in America, across denominational spectrums, in a single statement that applies to the majority of those claiming to be in the church, and this was the case before the pandemic, and it certainly remains the case so far during it, nominal is normal in the American church. Nominal is normal. A synonym for nominal is minimal. Did you know that? Look it up. That's a synonym. Nominal, minimal. We give God, here, we'll tip you, God, 10%. May, maybe even 15% like I give the waitress. I give them 20 to 25%. But if you, because I was in the restaurant business through college, and so never at all, I'm like 20 to 25% of a tip. But nominal is not what was birthed by Jesus with the early church. Did you see what we were reading there, how they responded? It wasn't a nominal aspect of their life. It wasn't a like, all right, we'll take a little slice. No, it changed their life. Nominal is not what was birthed by the Spirit of God, by his ministry, and there on Pentecost. God's never been about nominal worship. I talked about this a couple weeks. The angels never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. That is a perpetual thing, and it's, it's, it's to be reflected in our life. Paul said we'd become people that pray without ceasing. I even have, I mean, I, we all have room to grow in that. There's a lot of times, like, Lord, how do I get to the, I'm always in an attitude of prayer. But we make a lot of time for ourselves, but somehow we're inconvenienced by God as the church. And yet that's the climate. That's the norm. We can easily acclimate to it and adopt the habits and priorities of the world. And I'm here in part to warn us and to look back to what God did and say, we need to get back to that. We need to get back to fully yielding to Jesus. It's the Lord saying, you're the only thing that I I'm going to put my hope in. Warn us as believers to reject our flesh. Our flesh is so strong. Mine is too. I know yours is because you're a human. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. It wasn't talking about one person. It was talking about all people. We have to reject our flesh and what comes easy to our flesh and say, I'm not going to do what comes easy. Jesus did, the cross was not easy. That's why he said, take up your cross. I mean, we're not reject, we're, we are to reject the flesh, but we're not to reject God's call upon us. We need to recommit as the first century church did. I want you to, I have a video clip I'm going to ask guys to play in one second from my former pastor, Loran Livingston, who is far more okay with stepping on toes than, than I usually am. And I want, to, I want you to listen to this, but when I was watching this, um, I watch Loran fairly often. I'll watch Joe Foch and Damian Kyle and Jim Cimbala, and there's like a, a roster of guys that I like to receive from. But I like to watch men that challenge me. 
And he said something that I was already seeing. And, I, and I'll, I'll put it in context, what he's about to say. Loran knows, and I know, that right now it is the right thing to do. We're doing the rotating schedule. It's the right thing to space. It's the right thing to take things slow. We're doing the right thing for communion. But I also see, and Loran was seeing the same thing, that people are starting to adopt a mindset, and I'm here to warn you, don't go there. Go ahead and play this clip from Loran. Church life is going to be less and less important in these last days. I tell you, there are going to be lots of people who, when all of this is over, will say, you know, we had a pretty good time staying at home. We didn't have to get up and shower and shave and dress children and go through the hassle of getting to church. We, we didn't have to feed three or four kids and have them mess up their clothes only to come to church and everybody has been in a fight and then try to check babies into the nursery. I'm going the long way around to say this. God wants his people to gather together. Christianity is not an individual affair. We are a body. We belong and we are to belong to a body and commit to a body so that we can be refreshed and fulfilled so that that belonging can help us nurture our gifts and our calling. You can't stay at home and be a fruit-bearing Christian. You can't sit in a corner and read Christian books and bear much spiritual fruit. It's only done in the body of Christ. But in the last days, people will decide they don't need to assemble together anymore. And so I, I play that because, again, I, I totally believe that some people need to be home right now. I'm glad some of you are at home. But on the other hand, don't let the enemy and your own flesh adopt a new way of thinking and new habits that are really the world's habits that you become a Netflix Christian when it comes to church. And you, you know, it was always a hassle anyway. And I already see that developing in many believers and pastors I'm talking to around the country. They see it developing. It doesn't take long for bad habits to come in. And we have to reject that and say, on top of all of that, while we, if we actually have a difference of circumstances, it doesn't change how we press into Jesus. In fact, we should be pressing into him more. And I don't actually need to be gathered to reach out to people, to encourage people, to send a text to people, to get on a Zoom prayer call and say, let's intercede and pray together. But again, people are even having a hard time doing some of these things already because the slide is just a drift like being out in a current in the ocean and you're just kind of carried away. And the Lord hasn't called us to spiritual isolation and excuses. Amen? He's not called us to that. It'll cost us something to be in God's Word. That's why we're starting this Bible challenge. We want people to say, no, I'm going to make a commitment. Do you know it's hard to find people to make a commitment to anything anymore? And like I've said this before, it's not just the church. People at the Kiwanis Club will tell you, I mean, 
a different kind of uh, association. Say it's hard to get people to commit to anything. But Jesus is calling us to commit, uh, to be in God's Word, to say, I'm going I'm to read four chapters a day. I have the aptitude. You know, all of you are smart enough to do it. The question is, do you have the resolve to do it? That's all it comes down to. Do I have the will to do it? When I was watching this series on Grant, the only thing, the only thing that was, uh, um, this was great. He, they had just lost 17,000, they ended up losing 17,000 men to 11,000 for the, the South in the Battle of Chancellorsville. But when he, on the second day, the first day, they lost so many men, they were completely exhausted. They probably only had a couple hours sleep. The sun was blazing. Many of them had been burned by fire from the forest catching on fire, all this stuff. And he says, tomorrow morning we go and we strike first. And his own guys were like, the men are exhausted. And he said, so are their men. The, men, the, the bottom line is God is sending the church on the offensive. Does that make sense? That we're, the enemy never rests, does he? So while the church kind of, eh, I'll just sit back and kind of, we'll wait till someone to solve all these problems and everything's normal, then we can kind of return to normal. No, Jesus says, it's not going to return to your normal. Their normal is still resistance to God. So we have to press forward no matter what. We're already in a battle. It's time to actually grab your spiritual musket, if you will, and join in. Get in the Word of God. Make time to pray. Get into fellowship. Say, well, I can't be in person. Well, then set up a Zoom call with somebody and have coffee and talk to them about the Lord. Even talk about the passage that we'll be reading, uh, it's time for us to be spirit-filled. We're in Hebrews 11, and um, we talked about how Abel, and then later you'll see the same thing under the Mosaic Law, but a sacrifice was always required according to God's command. Would you agree with that? A sacrifice has always been required. There's never been a time where God will say, you don't need to sacrifice anything. From the very beginning, God has always required a sacrifice of his people. And then he would actually set the bar with a sacrifice that none of us could even possibly fathom. But it's not what our flesh is okay with, and we're not allowed to give God the scraps. You can't give God, I took the blind sheep I'm going to give that to you, right? Remember, you weren't allowed to give God the lame. You had to give God your best. Are we giving God our best? Are we giving him our least or minimal or nominal? Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day where approximately 2,000 years ago, Jesus baptized and immersed his church. On a future Sunday, I, I do want to do a, maybe probably a series on the Holy Spirit because the church was baptized individual people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not everyone in the church still today has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, although all people, if you're saved, are indwelt by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Everyone has the seal of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, but the overflow, the baptism of the Spirit, is a different thing. But on that day, the church was baptized, people were baptized in the Spirit, and salvation all in the same. And God can do all that in a single moment, or he can spread it out, if that makes sense. But in that moment, he poured it all out at the same time. But the macro baptism is that the church was baptized. And so that happened 2,000 years ago, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was both to empower the church and indwell those that have believed in Christ for salvation. You can't get the Spirit at all without being saved. You have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter talks about uh, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, there at the end of his message. We desperately need the power 
and the help that Jesus promised to send. Amen? I desperately need his help tomorrow on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I desperately need his help, his power. Because, again, just operating on doctrinal premises, it's important to have doctrine. But the Holy Spirit activates the doctrine to actually, like living water, touch people's lives. Listen, look at this quote from Gypsy Smith. I love it. Gypsy Smith, by the way, was uh, a contemporary. He served with William Booth, he, contemporary of him, preaching in the days of the Salvation Army and all over, um, all over England. But he said this, Without the Holy Ghost, we might as well burn our churches and tear to pieces our Bibles. You might as well try and bore a hole through a granite wall with a candle as to expect converts without the Holy Spirit. He was right. If there's no Holy Spirit, you can, you can read a verse, but you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the verse. You can share a verse with someone, but you need the Holy Spirit to open their eyes, and you need the Holy Spirit to be upon you. I can preach truth, but if I don't preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm wasting my time and your time. So every day, I, every time I get up in the pulpit, I'm like, Lord, if you're not bathing me in the Spirit, I'm completely spiritually naked and wasting everybody's time. The immersion of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is described as coming with what? Both a mighty rushing wind and with fire. Fire. Remember at the top of the mountain when Moses was there, it, it burned with fire. The top of the mountain was, was on fire. Moses met God in what? A burning bush. God comes with this fire. And in fire, it purifies us. But a fire will rip through anything, won't it? I mean, you see it burns cars, burns metal. God will burn away everything. But he also, a fire in this mighty rushing wind, uh, it's a picture of the power of God that appeared above each disciple. They, it was actually visible. They could see the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what took place on Pentecost, it was prophesied by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Also Luke chapter 3, verse 16, same verse in both Gospels. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John prophesied of this day in Acts chapter 2. The word Pentecost, it means... 50th, penta, you know, just like a, 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 a pentathlon or something. It means 50th. Pentecost was uh, the Feast of Weeks, which started 50 days after the wave offering of the Passover feast. Jesus knew that his disciples, they would need, they would need purity. They would need perseverance. They would need power. And he told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. I don't know if, even know if they knew that it would come on Pentecost Day because God's big on dates and timing, isn't he? Right? That it would exactly be on Pentecost Day on the 50th day. But they, he said, just stay there for a while. And the, the Spirit kept going, no, sixth day? No, we should stay. Seventh day? No, we stay. Eighth day? That's how we need God's wisdom on how do we handle the coronavirus. Do we do this this month? Do we do this this month? Stay a little longer. And the Lord says, camp right there. Just stay. Don't move. But finally, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and Jesus said, you're going to need this. The question is, do we want to be disciples like they were disciples, and do we want the Holy Spirit's power, or do we not want it? Say, no, I don't really want the Holy Spirit's power. I just 
As long as I can figure out the big stuff, I just, I'm good with, I don't need any power. I just need a good paycheck, a good running car, a nice house, and no problems. And then a nice church service once a week, right? But that's what a lot of people are asking for. And God says, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that, that, could, that could mean all kinds of trouble for me and everything else. And, you know, like, many don't want that. Many don't want the Holy Spirit. I pray in this room we do. I pray those of you watching online, I pray you want the power of the Holy Spirit. We started the year with a two-month focus on discipleship, 12 areas of focus that are, that are listed on our website. You go out to calvarychapelrva.com, you can find our we statements. They're listed right there, all 12. And you can say, well, I need to probably review these. And it's a great time to review them. But it was just over a month after we finished the discipleship series that the coronavirus shutdown occurred, just about a month after we finished that. And it impacted us and impacted everybody else. But as believers in Jesus, the pandemic or any trials... Now, if I asked you to raise your hand so, and I said, how many of you have had other trials other than the pandemic? I guarantee you, all hands, I would raise two, you know? We would all say, yes, I've had other trials that have nothing to do with the pandemic. In addition to that, and if you go back further in lifetime, many of you have had other things. But whether it's the pandemic or any other trial, they're not meant to be setbacks, but to stir us to step closer to the Lord. Do you believe that? That God sends and allows things that actually he's saying, come closer to me. Get closer to the fire of the Holy Spirit. Get closer to the Lord and be conformed to the image of Christ and be fitted for the will of Christ because God's not interested in our will. Our will is always flawed and very short-sighted and never eternally minded, so we have to gain the mind of Christ that we understand the will of Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's time, and in fact, it's past time for us as the body of believers to get back to Jesus and to get back to Pentecost. Amen? We can't create a Pentecost, but we can sit at the feet of Jesus, and he can send a Pentecost. That makes sense? You can't, we're not here to create a Pentecost. I'm not here to like figure out what some tent revival did 20 years ago and say, let's mimic that. We can get to the feet of the Lord, and he can send one. But back to those uh, early post-resurrection saints um, that we would be able to, whether it was pre, uh, you know, pre-resurrection or post-resurrection, they needed the power of God working in their life. The Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, in the Old Testament says the Spirit would come upon like a Samson. The Spirit would come upon men of God. I want to close with three brief reminders. Uh, they're not new. I've shared them before, but they're needed, even though they're not new, as we come to a close this morning, returning to Jesus, that we would refuse the normal. I, I understand the world's normal. Most Christians, well, no, let me take that back. No Christians are really walking the world's normal, or you're not a, not a Christian. If, you, if, you, if your normal is the same as the world, then you need to come to Christ in the first place. But Many Christians have adopted a normal church life, which is nominal, as I talked about. And Jesus is calling us out of nominal to take up our cross and follow him, right? To 
give up our lives for his life. First off, let's give. Jesus gave the spirit to his church and us as his children. The disciples' job and ours now is to give ourselves in full surrender to the Lord. That means our time. That means our talent. That means our treasure. None of it belongs to us anyway. I, if, if it belonged to you, then you could hold on to it and never die. But you can't. Uh, Wall Street can wipe out everything you have in a New York minute. You can die hit by a bus, hit by lightning, whatever else. Our time, our time, it all belongs to the Lord anyway. So we're just acknowledging, saying, Lord, I'm re-giving back what already belongs to you. We need to give to him. The apostles and the disciples, they were gathered together. They had already given, I think you'd agree with me, do you believe that the disciples that gathered in Jerusalem that day had already given up the reins of their life to Jesus? Yes, the whole reason the Holy Spirit was poured out is because they were empty vessels that day. They had gathered 10-day prayer meeting, if you will, and they had given up the reins, but they had given up the reins of their life well before that. That was just walking in that surrendered life. They weren't trying to hold on to 85% of their life and give Jesus a small little slice that doesn't interfere with their personal plans and leisure. No, like Paul, they were crucified with Christ. Like John the Baptist, they had already decreased. In fact, I'd like to challenge you, all of us, myself included, to recommit today to giving of your time and sacrifice here in the month of June. June starts tomorrow. That literally say, Lord, show me some things that you would literally have me just sacrifice to do your will. And not that it's easy, but that it's being led by the Holy Spirit. Things the Spirit is calling you to do that perhaps He's been calling you for months or weeks to do, and you've so far rejected. I'm speaking to those at home as well as those here, and you've rejected it. Take the the Bible plans a great place to start. Some of you say, you know, truth be told, I haven't read the Bible in like ten days. God's saying it's time to devour my Word. Just let it get in you. Helping someone at your inconvenience, man. I, every time I find myself being inconvenienced, my initial thought, because I'm not as spiritual as you guys, my initial thought is, this is getting on my nerves. I, I had this to do, I had this to do, and as soon as I start to think it, the Holy Spirit says, stop complaining, and I say, Lord, thank you that I get to go do your will. Thank you. But it, it takes me literally about a 10-second turnaround almost every time. I'm like, when will I respond correctly immediately? But my immediate response is, I had this to do, I had this to do. And I said, all right, Lord, thy will be done. And instead, and once you do it, amazingly enough, let's say, let's say you had your day planned and God wrecks your plans on purpose. What you'll end up doing, your heart gets so right, you say, oh, Lord, Lord, if there's something else you want me to do tomorrow, you become more yielded to it and then you actually proactively reach and say, how can I go help so-and-so? Or how can I go make sure that I get this done? Or how can I write a note of the gospel to a lost family member that I've been saying I'm going to do it for two years and I still haven't done it? And God's been knocking on your heart to do it. So take something that you've been pushing off. Maybe you can really join that ladies' prayer meeting this Tuesday night or, or a men's study virtual. Maybe you can... Give up a meal or several meals and pray and give that time to God in prayer and say, Lord, I'm going to turn off all the distractions. I'm just going to spend this time in prayer. 
The Spirit will identify what God wants you to let go of. The Spirit, and it won't be the same for every person in this room. There'll be something for you, 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 and you. God will say, no, this is what, what you called them. Yep, he told that to Peter. You don't worry about what I call it. This is what I want you to give up or I want you to go and do. Speaking of go, let's go. Peter and the disciples were sharing the gospel of Jesus well before Jesus went to the cross. They had already been sent out in twos. They had already been sent out with the 70. They were already sharing the gospel. And it was actually, uh, it's good to know that even when you fail, you can still be resent because Peter denied Jesus three times. There he is, about 50 days later, preaching Pentecost. So if you failed in this, welcome to the club. We've all failed to share as much as we should. We've all shared to be the light we're supposed to be. But if we kind of say, Lord, I'm getting back on the altar, so to speak, Peter was refilled and energized in a way he had never seen before, even though he already was sharing the faith. After Pentecost, they had a power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them to share the message of hope with a lost and dying world that was stronger than they had even when Jesus was with them. Jesus said, you'll actually do greater things after I leave because I'm going to go to the Father and intercede for you. Let's face it, brother and sister, we can't sit on the sidelines. Our nation is unraveling. Jesus is not going to say, you know, you did a great job occupying that leisure chair. And I am proud of the vacations that you executed perfectly when no one else could pull that off but you. No. He's going to say, why did you keep your mouth shut and not tell these people that are lost and on their way to hell? Our nation's unraveling. The people worldwide need the gospel. This was one of the primary reasons, that wasn't the only reason, but it was one of the primary reasons that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit in the first place. Do you agree with that statement? Well, let me show you. Jesus said it himself. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he has come upon you, and you shall be silent. Doesn't say that, does it? You shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, and that includes Chesterfield County. We're part of the ends of the earth. That's everywhere else. Witnesses, witness. Witnesses, share. The Great Commission was followed by the Great Immersion of the Holy Spirit. You had the Great Commission, then you had the Great Immersion of the Holy Spirit. He baptized the church with the, with the Spirit to empower us as what? Witnesses. Sadly, Christians have, have been wearing an invisible face mask long before COVID-19 has ushered in this age of face masks. If we could see it in the spiritual realm, it might look more like an invisible duct tape among Christians all over the world. Invisible duct tape that Satan has plopped on person after person after person. Just don't mention the name of Jesus. Don't talk about anything unless it's nominal or trivial. Satan has silenced the church from sharing the gospel. Would you agree with that? 90% of Christians have never even shared their faith. Christians will talk about a million other things on social media, but stay silent on sharing about Jesus. Let's do something. That's what William Booth used to say you know, with Gypsy Smith. They, they said, do something. Let, invite somebody to church. Send an email. Offer to pray with somebody. Ask someone if they're ready for eternity. Just open up and just take a chance that Jesus will take care of the results. As Charles Stanley said for years, 
You just let God handle the results. Don't worry about the results. And lastly, let's grow. We said it, it said that in the end of this uh, second chapter, they continued daily with one accord, breaking bread from house to house. They ate food. They remained steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God. Pentecost was a vibrant combination of all three of these points, by the way. Pentecost was all three of these things took place and stayed in place as the church grew. The disciples had gathered and fully given themselves to the will of Jesus. The whole reason they were gathered in the upper room was in obedience to Christ. They believed in the power and the necessity of prayer. Do we? We need to. We need to be praying more now than ever. We need to become intercessors. They believed in the unity of fellowship. They believed in the gospel. None of them were solo lone rangers. They were gathered together of what? One accord, the Bible tells us. We just read the passage. One accord. Post-Pentecost, they didn't just stick it in the memory bank and say, that was a really cool day, now let's go back to normal. Did they? No, because their normal was now saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. No, they stayed surrendered. They grew. The number of converts grew. The church grew. You see, many Christians talk, can talk about surrender. They can talk about obedience to Christ. They can talk about prayer. They can talk about fellowship. They can talk about sharing their faith. But talking about it and understanding it is not proof of belief. Living it is proof of belief. Amen? And, and let me be clear. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to actually live it. That's the point. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I, would, I don't miss a day of reading the Bible. Not because I'm super spiritual, but because the Holy Spirit does not allow me to miss. The Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. You will read first and foremost above everything else because I come first. I don't remind myself of that. God reminds me of that. How about you? And so we need to say, Lord, stir, remind, fill up. Jesus said himself, do not be hearers only. That's what Jesus said. Don't be hearers. Lots of people can hear. This early church was not hearers. They were living by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first century church. Um, by the way, isn't it interesting? You know, Jesus tells us to follow him. Isn't it interesting that all the social media platforms now, everything is a, you're a follower? I'm going to follow this person. Follow, follow, follow. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. His disciples were called followers. We need to get back to following Jesus. And when we do, we'll find he will reimmerse us with the Holy Spirit. Amen? He promises that. Not today's normal, but the first century church's following of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just bow again before you. We're thankful, Lord, that we're not following our own plan. And Lord, sometimes we do, but you remind us of your plan your work, your will. Lord, I just want to take a moment. If there's anyone at all, I'm just speaking to those of you online or maybe in this room, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you're in this room, you say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender my life to the Lord right now. Just stand right where you're at. If you're at home, stand up in your living room. I'll say a prayer with you and Believing on Jesus is an act of the heart. Say, Lord, I'm putting my full faith and trust in you. I believe that I am a sinner. And none righteous, no, not one. That I, Even my righteousness is filthy rags. Anyone in this room, just stand right where you're at. If you, if you, if you 
if you're visiting with us or if you're online. And I'm going to just lead you in a simple prayer. I'm not going to belabor it because I'm going to speak to the church for just a second then we're going to close in worship. Just pray with sincerity. Say, Lord, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your body and your blood. And Lord, I ask that you would cleanse me, that you would forgive me, that you would wash me, that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life for I decided this day to follow you, Jesus. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Just as those 3,000 souls did on Pentecost, Lord, I'm calling upon the name of the Lord that I might be saved. If you've done that, send us a note. Questions at Calvary Chapel RVA. We want to be able to give you a Bible and reach out and, and help you grow in your faith. But I want to close speaking to the church. We're going to worship in just a second, but I'm going to ask you if, if you want to, seriously, and I mean it, if you want to say, Lord, I'm, I'm recommitting myself as a surrendered disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to be refilled and refreshed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand right now, just where you're at. Say, Lord, I want to be recommitted, resurrendered. Today is Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday, exact 50 days as it was. And I think the early church, they were on their face. But we already got on our knees earlier. And I believe that it was a sincere thing. And if you're at home, just stand up in your living room. Say, Lord, um, it said that Peter stood and proclaimed the word of the Lord, didn't it? Peter stood up because the Holy Spirit was upon him. And say, Lord, you see these individual souls standing. Lord, you have, by your grace, saved us from our sin. Lord, we ask that you forgive us of those areas. We all have areas of our life, Lord, that have been nominal, that have been non-negotiable, that have been not surrendered. And Lord, we ask that you would identify them. Sometimes we can't even see those things that we're holding on to. Lord, show us this week, uh, Lord, that it's something that's hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our stubbornness. Lord, help us to open our mouth and share Jesus with a lost and dying world. Help us to reach out and be in fellowship. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to encourage one another and to send a note to each other and say, Lord, I put you on my mind. I'm praying for you. Help us to die to ourself. Help us to become people of prayer and to set aside time to pray. Lord, we ask by the grace and mercy of Jesus, Lord, fill us afresh and anew. We would start June tomorrow filled with your peace, your power, desperately your power, Lord, but also your joy and increase our faith that we would be a bright light. We return next Sunday, June the 7th, when we take communion, we'll say, God did some great things this week. I share the faith. Someone got saved. This person got encouraged. Somebody got healed. Lord, all of these things, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.